The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. The Greenlight Podcast welcomes you. Cowboy, take me away. Making jars of bust today, he's going to kick things off with Kingston. They do a big old sports roundup from the weekend. It's just a couple of recent birthday boys having fun. And late last week, Macon interviewed Field Yates about football, family, fatherhood, and the 4th F fantasy. Field talks us through breaking into the NFL with the Patriots, the Chiefs, breaking into his media career, and the hardest parts about fantasy football. So big shout out to Field, a longtime Greenlight listener, for jumping on the show with Macon. And after Field today, we're going to bring back Bad Back Backy, who's going to pop in for a little life coaching. You'll learn a little something and one more thing, you saw that Greenlight playlist that we announced. It had all the Greenlight personalities' top 10 songs of all time at this current moment, but it was done anonymously. You all didn't know which personalities were which song. You might have had an idea, but you don't know. Well, now you're going to find out. On Thursday, we will announce each personality's top 10 list, but up until Thursday, you can guess. Go ahead over to Twitter. Make sure you respond to our tweet with your cash tag, the favorite song from that playlist, and which Greenlight personality picked that song and put it on the playlist. You respond to that tweet with all three of those things, and you might have a shot at some money from Cash App. So freshen up on that playlist. Go back and take a look. It's also in the show notes. You can check it out there. But most important, enjoy today's episode. We'll catch a Thursday with our Tin Cup Movie Review. It's green light. It's green light with Chris Long. Without Chris Long, Kingston's next to me. I'm making corporate Scott's in the building. Nolan's here too, somewhere. Big show, okay. Um, before you change the channel, know that Field Yates is on the program. Not only is Field Yates on the program, but Field Yates says the word sex. He talks ball. He talks ball, especially his relationship with a young grinder in Kansas City named Nick Sirianni. Mm-hmm. But he also divulges his current weight, Fields. He uh, talks about his middle name, which is Minister, mm-hmm. and he says the word sex. So stay tuned. You'll hear the interview was, um, it was a lot of fun. It started with my being out of breath for one. So you got like Big Cat and PFT move into this palatial warehouse in Chicago. They have like a full court, basketball court, espresso machines. Looks beautiful. Well, big changes on the horizon for Greenlight too. We've rewired the entire studio, (laughs) I think for the fourth time in six months under the watchful eye of uh, Corporate Scott. And does it sound better? I sure hope so. I feel better in these beautiful new chairs. Great chairs, they're blue. 
I think we've gone overboard with the green. These chairs are blue. That's a, that's a good move. But uh, in all seriousness, um, a very exciting fall on the horizon for Greenlight and a pretty dope little summer here. Great interview with Kenny Pickett that Chris did. Facts and the King has dropped on this feed. Any given Sunday review not long ago. So keep it locked here. And we got Field Yates coming. And uh, Kinks and I will run through a, a couple items now and we'll have a little fun on the back end as well. Uh, sports, yes? Yeah, big football news today. You see uh, DeAndre Hopkins sign the uh, two-year deal, $26 million guaranteed with the Titans, up to $32 million. Saw some people on the internet saying that, uh, oh, he was just taking the money and not playing for a competitive team. What would you think of that deal? I, I, I don't know. I guess I look at the division first, AFC South. Is it now going to be Jags and Titans for the right to lose the, the first game in the playoffs? I mean <laughs> – here, I'll go Jacksonville, all Jacksonville. I'm sorry, he doesn't mean that. I'll uh, I'll go all in on this being the year that Derrick Henry takes a step back. Okay, we've all been waiting. Yeah, he 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 seems like he's 34. He's not. He's 29. He keeps on cranking out these amazing seasons. I'll say this is the year that he takes a step back. Tannehill is the quarterback. Levis seems to be the guy in waiting. The number two receiver will be Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Nuke is 31 himself. So this doesn't really get my juices flowing. But at the same time, I don't know if if a New England fit would have either because I don't know that New England's competing with New York, Miami, Buffalo in that division. The Buffalo fit would have been cool. Yeah, they weren't willing to pay up, it looks like. And New England was willing to give him about equal money, but it would have been much more incentive-based, not guaranteed. And... For my money, Mac Jones isn't better than Ryan Tannehill anyway. So I, I'm fine with it. Fine with it. Did you watch Wimbledon? I love Wimbledon. Here are my favorite sports. One, college hoops. Two, college football. Mm-hmm. Three, professional tennis. Four, professional football. Now, that's not a very popular take on this <laughs> particular program, but I love pro tennis. We and share it doesn't that love. And it doesn't get any better than Wimbledon. Uh, Quick, rank your top four slams, one to four. Okay, Wimbledon one, U.S. Open two, the French three, and Aussie four. Oh, xenophobia. I just gave Wimbledon oh, one. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Are you talking about my English roots? Never mind. It's your uh, Anglophilia. Her Majesty Kate was, was in the royal box, you know? Yeah, I saw that with the uh, Princess Charlotte, right? Uh, yeah, in the little fella. Prince George. George. And her husband, uh, the other the guy, <laughs> William. Yeah. Yeah. And then after the match, she's she she actually shook every ball chilled child's hand. Very polite. The the past cat used to go like he'd hit the first child and then the fourth child and then the ninth one and have these little mini conversations. <laughs> she would have mini conversations with every other mm-hmm. one, but she at least shook the hand of every one of them. Yeah, I loved the nice uh, celebrity sightings. My dad would be like, I'm supposed to know who that is, but I don't. <laughs> who was really hard to locate uh, or to to put a name to the face? It was, um, damn it, it was that hard. Who's the Wolverine guy? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman, I think, was there. Yeah. And I was like, who is that for a solid 30 seconds before oh, coming up with Hugh Jackman? Egregious. There was also tennis played. Yeah. So Alcaraz, 20 years old, uh, against the Joker, 36, who was – very gracious afterwards, um, shortly after slamming his racket into <laughs> an amazing net. racket destruction. It was pretty awesome. 
the ash was dented and then he keeps shaking his wrist the the entirety of the following Imagine game like that. how and maybe it did affect him who yeah. knows some gray hairs pop in there too i love it yeah this was the most likable the joker's ever been probably because it came in a loss and uh i think most everybody was rooting for the young gun but the joker said afterwards that uh alcaraz has the goods he has a little bit of himself in him which you know pat himself on the back but he has fed and in nadal too he thinks uh alcaraz has staying power and how can he not he's number one in the world he's he's 20 years old and he seems to have every shot including uh a dropper he, unbelievable he he's he's serving for the wimbledon title he's up five four in the fifth <laughs> and then he puts a dropper into the bottom of the net to go down love 15 and it's like holy smokes is the stage too big and then he bounces right back so he's got the he's got the mentals too and he made that favorite shot that like looper over Djokovic's head back yeah. behind him in he a tense moment that's a tough shot that's right he dropped him right after that again and then yeah. lobbed it over his head so yeah i i love wimbledon i love all about it i love everything about it you were saying uh there needs to be cheering uh, throughout <laughs> yeah. the match, yeah, it's ridiculous. They're like, "Please quiet, please quiet," and then one person in the crowd can scream during the serve and mess it up. If everybody's cheering, that one person has no power, and the atmosphere is more fun. Yeah, it's a terrible take. You, they, you, they throw them out if you if you're vocal, say in a in a ball toss. Okay, it's a it's a gentleman in lady sport. All right. It's not this buffoonery of these of these American sports that you're used to. And actually, talk about tennis in America, the U.S. Open is extremely loud. If you ever go to the U.S. Open and you're at Arthur Ashe Stadium, mm -hmm. people are drinking and talking throughout, and it's actually very loud and not terribly disruptive, maybe to prove your point. But tennis, we can keep the we can keep all of the 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 the, the shouts out of that. Same thing in sport. golf. We need more golf noise this weekend. I can get was, on board with that. There was the American Century Championship. Steph Curry won the uh, celebrity tournament. Marty Fish, former pro tennis player, on eighteen in his backswing, somebody screamed and he shanked it. So he lost or gave Steph Curry the opportunity to win it with an eagle. Also had a hole in one that week. If everybody's screaming, that one person doesn't have any power. So, I, and especially golf, it's too quiet. Wouldn't you like to just hear some loud noises as people are doing it the whole time? I would be incredibly tense in a in a big backswing that somebody might make noise. I'd love to go to a tennis match with you and just break all the rules of etiquette. I would love to go to a tennis match, period. It's been a long time. However, and we'll get to this in a little bit, maybe after field, I played tennis this weekend. Played tennis. No with way. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's for, your old elbow there? Thanks for the question. It's a shoulder, and uh, it uh, held up. I assumed elbow because tennis elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Common misconception. It's a torn labrum in my right shoulder. I did because the the kids were there. Uh, my parents popped by to watch the kids for a little bit while I was playing. Um, I, I was playing with my lovely wife. You nice. know, it wasn't a, a sanctioned event or anything. Mm -hmm. But I, I did, I cranked it a little bit, and uh, my serve, that is, and uh, the shoulder held up. Let's go. Yeah. I always was, imagined you playing tennis into your older, into your twilight days. I think I'm going to. Yeah. You're really, really good. I used to be. Thank you for yeah. saying that. <laughs> I don't really get my flowers uh, in, the, in the athletic. More of a serve volley type guy. Like, I, I always felt like... Uh, 
any big baseline hitter. I felt like you could get a little bit overwhelmed by people that had crazy speed. Hmm. But uh, you're, you're a powerful player. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've buried the lead here. Happy birthday to uh, Matt Kingston. Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. We, as of yesterday, you've joined the ranks of, of 37-year-olds everywhere. We share a birthday a week apart. We do. And always have. We uh, and always, <laughs> always will until one of us succumbs to death. <laughs> Speaking of which, somebody was talking about prayer earlier. All right, that corporate, work. corporate, <laughs> corporate. Scott said to say a little prayer that all this audio is working. So you might not be hearing any of this. <laughs> this could be and the video. Uh, this could be going into the void. Yeah. Prayer. I, I've never been a big prayer person uh, until I until I started having the the kids. Oh, interesting. And it's not like I think that my prayers are being answered. Mm -hmm. Let me think through this. It's just like I I. I don't know. Different, like, existential perspective, perhaps? Yeah, I guess. It's like, hey, you know, if you are hanging out up there, yeah, look after those little tykes <laughs> because they're special as hell. Yeah. This video does appear to be working. I can't say I love being on video. I'm awfully pale when I look at myself. Oh, don't worry about the pale stuff. Worry about the fat stuff. <laughs> I, You know, I'm looking at it, not you. Well, I, I don't know. 37. You don't bounce back at 37 like, like we did at 17. No. no, there's more around the 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 neck for me and certainly around the the belly, which is covered mostly by the table. These chairs now go up and down. Beautiful. Chris is going to lose his mind. You say you want to stay out of the sun uh, and, and then we'll kick it to field. Um, sun seekers, you, you are not one. No, I don't like the sun at all. I will cover my body in a long sleeve t-shirt even when it's super hot. Did you or did you not in high school go to tanning beds? In, in, in high school, when we were in high school, did you or did you not go to tanning beds to make yourself tanner? <laughs> On less than four occasions, yes. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm glad that's uh, out in the open. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell y'all were doing then. I still don't know now what you were doing then. It's one of the strangest acts, I think. I, I don't. I don't know. I state my regret. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> smart. Smart. Now he's not a. Now he's not a sun seeker. Hey, we'd be remiss if we didn't say that. Vandrusova uh, Va, Van, Van, yep. won the ladies' final. You nailed that thing. You called that in the newsletter. Subscribe to the Greenlight newsletter. Where can people do that? Greenlightpodcast.com. Enter your email. I will send you an email every Friday with Macon's picks and Macon's movie picks too. Nice. Terrific. Coming up, Field Yates. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the ideal app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. Personally, I love using Cash App savings tools whenever I'm planning a family vacation. I just took my first family vacation as a father. We went to Italy, Kate, myself, and the baby. But keeping track of all our expenses can be tricky, and it was. But it wasn't as tricky with Cash App because when all the prices are in euros, nobody knows what the hell's going on. So when we're renting a scooter, getting an espresso, or sitting down to a course of the Tagliatelle, Cash App had us covered with a separate account that let me track spending and set goals. So whether you're saving up for a trip, a rainy day, or a sunny life, Cash App has the easy tools to help you take control of your money and financial life. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play 
and see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston. Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. It's Field Yates. He's a big star. We're happy to have him. Uh, what would you say it is you're doing, Field, having two kids under two? I comprehend <laughs> how you're doing it. Yeah, but why are you doing it? Great question. You know, there was a time. So when we had our first daughter who's almost 18 months now, I remember my wife and I having the conversation as we thought about what the rest of our family growth process might look like. And we both kind of settled on the idea that rather than have a child go through all the things that come along with a newborn child, specifically the, you know, the nighttime routine, which is as difficult as any night as any part of the day, obviously it's uh, you know, it's a battle every night just to get a few hours of, of actual restful sleep. And we said, you know, wouldn't you rather just have like a really trying few years here as opposed to having a child waiting some time four or five years, whatever it might be. That child is no longer a child that uh, requires like care to get to bed and things of that nature and then restart the clock. And we settled on, let's just knock it out all at once, or not literally all at once, but let's do our best to uh, to have children quickly so that, you know, five or seven years from now, when we are no longer having children and are, are whatever children we have are grown up a little bit, we will just laugh at those long nights when we slept for like 45 minutes consecutively and we considered that a win. Yeah, I don't know any different, um, but I had somebody say we were, our kids are, four years apart, but we were in diapers for 12 years. Oh like gosh. it's, And then you can only hear, hey, um, from a doctor, it's a geriatric pregnancy, just so you guys know. <laughs> you can only hear that so many times. Yeah. Uh, my, my lovely wife was 35, as was I, when we had our first, and now we are uh, the ripe old age of 37 and, mm. and expecting our third. Uh, we're yeah, taping on, on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I know you guys that. have talked about it on the show uh, before, but uh, and I remember I remember the announcement that you made on Chris's behalf about his family growing as I well, did. which was cool. I did do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did do that. It's not all sunshine field. Yeah. Um, my two and a half year old daughter gave me a nickname a couple of weeks ago, mm. and this is coming on the heels of my maybe putting on a, a couple of pounds, like. Uh, <laughs> belly region, chin region. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's at all related to the nickname, but uh, I am now Dada Cow. Ooh, so like I'll walk in the door. Yeah, I'll say, hi, sweet girl. I love you so much. How was your day? And then she'll say, hello, Dada Cow, which um, I don't know. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's a term motivated. of endearment. Yeah, it is. It is, but hopefully not uh, humbling at the same time. I would love that if my my older daughter uh, was we we're at eighteen months and uh, three weeks. 
So the congrats. The, the yes, the uh, three week old has some prodigious qualities. I don't think her uh, like right now. I don't think it's her. It's her ability to speak. Um, but the uh, the eighteen month old, her bag of tricks is like sort of limited. But she is, you know, she's been speaking a little bit for a few months now. And one her favorite one is like she loves that when you ask her what a cow says. She's the best mooer in all of pretty much the entire population under the age of two. Um, so yeah. I would love it if that evolved into me becoming Dada Cow, but we could just move back and forth at each other in perpetuity. That might work, actually. Yeah, I would start throwing in some moves, maybe mention that you have spoken with a Dada Cow mm. recently. And yeah, it's going to be good. I think you might have what it takes. Are you going to see the, uh, I don't mean to speak your personal business, are you going to see the uh, grandma who's a prolific real estate agent? Ha Wow. You did some great research. Yes. Um, and, but I would say this, and, uh, you know, my, my mom has, uh, like you, she's been in real estate for quite some time and I'm so proud of uh, the business that she has grown and, um, what's really been, but she is a better grandma than she is a real estate agent, which I think is saying a lot. I, uh, am not one to, uh, it's, sometimes it's be uncomfortable bragging about things that are close to you, but when it comes to your parents, it's hard not to, uh, feel that pride sometimes, and she is an absolutely A plus grandmother. And what I think, uh, I think one thing that I realized uh, since becoming a father is just how important that dynamic is in the early stages. Uh, just because any help that you can get, you will take. My grandmother, or my mother, excuse me, who just turned seventy, like she has more energy than my wife and I do sometimes to take care of these kids. And there's never any explanation. Right, which is almost always a thing, whether it's a babysitter, whether it's a grandparent, whether it's a friend who's coming over to aid and help you out. If my mom just woke up three hours before my wife and I did, which we never sleep that late, so I guess it's impossible. But if she was ever awake and had either of our daughters for three hours by herself, she would know exactly what to do. So it has been a massive, massive help to have her uh, for the first 18 months of being parents. And it will be a bigger help having her when we have two children under her roof at the same time. That's awesome. We were just at the beach. We had my parents and my two kids, yeah. and there was nothing cooler than seeing the two-year-old and then my 82-year-old dad just cracking each other up. Yeah, the best. It's like, it's 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 the best. Yeah. Why am I having these kids field? Uh, it's the vanity, I guess. Oh, what of could course. be more vain than than thinking what does this world need more of uh, me you know i mean this inst- guy a little bit more of me my instagram stories have become far more prolific since becoming a father yeah. and they are exclusively tied to my daughter i mean if you don't think that was a significant consideration when we decided about building a family then you have you have really aired fairly gravely um they are you're absolutely right vanity is at least two-thirds of the equation for having a child that's father of the year field Yates. Let's let's turn it back about twenty years yeah. to high schooler field Yates. Uh, can you tell us what the mascot of the Belmont Hill School is? Yeah, I believe we go by the Sextants now. Which, for Sextant. those unfamiliar uh, with nautical terms, Sextant, and I should know this, and I should know this perfectly, but a Sextant, I believe is a uh, nautical tool uh, for navigation, right? It helps you uh, when you're in the, on the waters trying to figure out exactly which way the, uh, the ship should be steered, so to speak. Um, but we never had a mascot. Uh, oftentimes, uh, if, if, if our school was written up in the paper, uh, they'd say the Hillies, which was never our actual mascot. So 
I always wanted to write into the editor and say that they have uh, done us a great disservice, but the Belmont Hill Sextant was the actual mascot for our school. The sextant is an instrument for determining the angle between the horizon and a celestial body, such as the sun, the moon, or a star. It is used in celestial navigation to determine latitude and longitude. Uh, now, Field, I've been going back and forth on on what's better, like a boom, 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 go sex, go, or like a boom, 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 let's go sex. What, what did the school use to... Uh, cheer on their very good football and lacrosse teams. Maybe a better question is what did the opposing schools say to you guys? God, you know what? Um, I, I can't recall. I think we used let's go hill more often than we did let's, let's go sex. Um, my favorite, <laughs> and this is 100% outing me, is like a guy who comes from super preppy, nerdy school, but Listen, you're familiar with some of that in uh, in, in the yeah. Charlottesville area, um, I believe. And I'm like some of my memory is fading. I will be I'm 36, so I'm what I more than half my life, or almost more than maybe almost exactly half my life has been spent as a high school graduate, as opposed to not having yet graduated high school. But there was a basketball game where I recall us uh, being up big on a uh, on an opponent in our league. And, you know, the, the typical scoreboard chance came up when the opponent who was down, let's say 20 points, did something flashy for attention or celebrated like a made shot with like four minutes to go down by 20 points. And we did the whole scoreboard chant on our sideline and they returned the favor with board scores, a reference, of course, to the standard aptitude test to help you get into college. If I've right. nothing has ever been nerdier. Uh, in the history of sports competition. Um, but that is a part of my history. It's all right. It's okay. You're going to work for us someday. There it is. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, that might be more of a, a UVA thing than, than my prep school, but none of it's, none of it's great. Yeah. Uh, idea. Field, I think I've really settled in from the whole uh, commute to work. Are you ready to start? Let's do it. Born ready. Okay. Uh, it's a little joke. It's a podcasting joke. Uh, the huge neck picture field, it made the rounds again yesterday. Happens often. Um, yeah. um, one of my favorite pictures, it makes you look like uh, Teddy Bruschi's large adult son in, in my mind. <laughs> the, the internet has you um, at some point in your life, five foot 11, 200 pounds. Yeah. Are those current measurables or are those Wesleyan measurables? Those are Wesleyan measurables. I recently had to take uh, a physical, um, it was right, right before our daughter, our second daughter was born. I had my annual physical. The 5'11 part is intact. I believe I was 174 pounds during the physical. Wow. So uh, we've trimmed down, which was, you know, you think about the contributing factors to uh, to a much more narrow figure. And first of all, uh, you know, college affords you a certain lifestyle of, of being very beverage heavy for what, three, four, five nights a week, depending on how much of a party animal you are. And you know me, a little bit of a party animal inside of me. Um, and then also, like, there was a time in my life where, like, if you told me to run two miles, I'd be like, I don't know that I'm physically capable of doing that. Like, and once I got into weightlifting, Look at how macho we are talking about weightlifting. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, like it just, that seemed like it was the thing that you were supposed to do. And I was so concerned about gains, less concerned about being like twitchy and being 
and having great cardio endurance. So I, um, I got puffy for a handful of years there. Um, but that photo, that photo was probably worth it. There's no doubt about it. Um, like most high schoolers, I guess you bridged your high school and college years with a four summer gig working for the New England Patriots. Yeah. Quote, Yates said his gig with the Patriots resulted from simply being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. I was picked out of the crowd to serve as a ball boy during one of their rookie mini camps. I guess my question is, what is the actual story? Yeah, I was going to say, that's the uh, very Cliff Notes version. So um, back in, I want to say my freshman or sophomore year of high school, um, there was someone that I knew that uh, knew a member of the Patriots organization, and there was a Patriots rookie minicamp, which uh, we still have in the NFL to these days. Um, It's to much more fanfare these days than it was back in 2000, whatever it was, call it 2000, um, maybe a little bit later than that. And someone said, you want to come down and do sort of run some drills, be kind of a ball boy for this rookie minicamp, which involved me basically like, you know, catching passes from the quarterbacks as they got warmed up, standing as a, as a dummy for various drills. And it kind of lit a flame uh, that to me seems like my, my football destiny. And so uh, a couple of summers later, um, I started going in every summer with the Patriots and alongside friend of the program, Steve Belichick, who him and I are the same age. And uh, he's got slightly better football credentials than I do. But uh, oftentimes, if you saw uh, a Patriots training camp uh, practice taking place, you'd see two very unathletic, relatively small statured individuals, at least relative to the – compared to the NFL population running around as sort of ball boys slash um, I would say like just basically like human traffic cones for drills. And so that was the start of it. And I did that for, as you mentioned, four total summers. And then I I had a bridge summer. My last summer uh, before I graduated from college, I took a more traditional internship down in Washington, DC, which was fun, but different. Um, and I, I, the rationale behind that was just make sure that you haven't pigeonholed yourself too much before you've graduated from college and set yourself up to only have one destiny in the real world. And uh, that led to me being hired with the Chiefs. And the way I got hired with the Chiefs is that Scott Pioli was part of the Patriots organization for many, many years, did great success, NFL executive of the decade, I believe a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. And him and I developed a stronger and stronger bond over those years. And, um, he gave me a chance and in that, in that post-college world. So I went to Kansas city. Uh, when I got on the plane, I thought I was going to Kansas, not realizing I was moving to Missouri. Um, and my first job out of college was an operations intern up in river falls, Wisconsin, which is a teeny tiny town that used to hold, I uh, used to host chiefs training camp. Um, and it was, one of the most pleasant communities that you will ever meet. You paid pennies in the parking meters. I think they still have parking meters there, which wow. most places it's all app driven now. Uh, the town's claim to fame beyond hosting Chiefs training camp was there was one restaurant that Joe Montana during his tenure with the Chiefs believed had a legendary pizza. And so it became the place that Joe Montana had given his stamp of approval. So business was always robust at that restaurant. 
Um, and that was the start of my football journey. Okay. Right back to New England quickly. Uh, much time as you I need. Get it. You're, uh, it's a summer. But are you ever in the building with Bill or Tom? Are they ever saying, what is this high schooler doing yeah. walking down the same hallway? Yeah. Funny. So I feel like when you talk about either Brady or Belichick um, and you do so in like a particularly favorable light, I think that people just basically chalk it up to like, this is the prototypical brown nosing, like just trying to curry favor. Um, I did spend a lot of time uh, inside the building. Yeah. And basically every, like there are photos. I, I used to uh, spend every home game going with the team uh, during like winter break in college, which at least at the college that I went to was often five weeks. I would kind of resume the internship. Um, I am going to sound probably a little nerdy, probably a little cliche here, but I think it's the truth. And I do think that um, the secret sauce is maybe much more visible than people realize. Um, but both Brady and Belichick were the most singularly focused people that I've ever been around. I remember Wes Welker once said this about Brady publicly, not to me, that every decision that Tom Brady made in his life was dedicated towards becoming a better football player and staying in the NFL at a high level for as long as possible. And it really resonated. And the um, same thing with Bill Belichick. I have never been around a more consistent person in my life. And I think that has had a tremendous impact on players at the highest levels. I think it also had a massive impact on guys who were fringe roster players that either became something great or were not able to hold up that standard of consistency and were out of the building. Um, and I learned a lot about that. Um, not that I was ever going to be an NFL player or anything close to it, but that consistency uh, and that singular focus from each of them, I think is something that is applicable in whatever you might do. In my case, it's talking about football now. That's great. C. Long says uh, they were both sons of bitches, which doesn't quite track <laughs> with what you're yeah. saying. But, you know, have, have we ever uh, talked about know, this? Like, can like we do an aside here? I mean, maybe, maybe you're too close to it to see it this way. I was thinking about this, though. Do you think C. Long is the most universally well-liked teammate in team sports? History? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Let's call it 10 years, 15 years. You can assign a, 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 an era if you want. But I was thinking about it. Like, he feels like the most relatable teammate that I can think of who everybody just loved. Like, there are definitely gregarious, fun-loving characters that I think a lot of players – loved but i feel like even fans that didn't root for the rams or the patriots or the eagles still love them yeah i i i think he's in that conversation mm. um and it probably because he's so freaking genuine mm. i mean he's he's nice and smart and funny and humble but He's really an authentic guy. I remember when he was starting this, he said to a reporter, you know, I don't really care about the the following. I'm just I'm going to walk this way and and see if anybody walks behind yeah. me. So, he's he's never putting on for anybody and while he really contributed in a big way to those Pats and Eagles teams, I'm sure the the front office was like, get this guy in our locker room. Yeah, that that would that would be a positive. Yeah. That would be a yeah. good thing. And he has, and he has a 
seven million friends. You know, he he doesn't really know a stranger. He's one of those types. And if you roll up on him and say, "Hey, can I get a picture and an autograph?" He's he's happy to oblige. He's he's one of those obnoxiously uh, kind mm. people. So yeah, that's that's a fair point. I don't think it's too different uh, than Field Yates uh, in that. Simmons and Rosillo were talking the other day about people in media who nobody hates, the Mike Breens yeah. of the world. Does anybody dislike you? <laughs> I'm sure there are many. Uh, to my face, I'm trying to think of like uh, public uh, bad blood that I've had. Um, I, I, I'm sure there are many. I would say that. But um, I don't know. I think I was raised a particular way. And... You mentioned that you mentioned how C. Long is one of those guys that uh, he will always stand for an autograph, stand for a photo, or sign an autograph. I'll go back to my Kansas City days here for a second. So my uh, first year with the Chiefs, 2010 draft, so 2009 into the 2010 draft, we had the fifth pick and we took Eric Berry, legendary player at Tennessee, and in my role, which was absolutely like, grinder, is you know like. Um, I mean, I was as low on the totem pole as you could possibly be. And I'm not trying to be humble or anything when I say that. Um, one of my jobs during the pre-draft process was we'd bring these players in for these, these they call them the, you know, the pre-draft visits now. You get 30 per team. And from start to finish, I would kind of be the chauffeur for the player. Um, you pick the guy up at the airport, bring him to the hotel. If it's the night before the visit, get him up in the morning, pick him up to go to medical side and bring him into the, to the building and he talks to all the coaches and the, stout, the scouts and then you bring him back to the airport whatever it might be and i remember eric berry was the single most impressive young man that i'd ever been around uh to the point that like i almost felt compelled to go to scott peel and rgm at this is me 22 year old me who'd been scouting for like five minutes to say like if we don't take this guy it'll be an error and i remember something this is where i was getting is that eric berry talked about how he uh, one of his favorite players growing up, he went to a camp or was at a game or somewhere in a public setting where he tried to get an autograph from an NFL player and the guy just breezed right past him. And he's like, I'll never in my entire NFL career ever let a kid have that same experience with me. And that resonated with me. You know, this was the guy who was the king of Tennessee, had an amazing career. It wasn't the apex of, of, of volunteer football, but still really good player. You know, the guy that mattered the most in Knoxville for three years. Um, and the NFL, he, was, he became at one point the highest paid safety ever, all pro player for multiple years. And um, I've always felt like that's a um, an important sort of credo to live by is like those who can really should. And I felt like uh, Eric Berry was a good embodiment of that. So I don't know, it feels weird to talk about yourself as a, as a kind human. But um, if uh, I would like to consider myself uh, somebody who tries to follow some of the things that I just referenced. When you're picking a kid up at the airport, do you are you getting out of an idling car with like a last name on a piece of paper? How do they know to come yeah, to you? Yes. Well, the good news was that in Kansas City, there was one terminal at the time, small airport. And usually, uh, you know, obviously we, I knew what the player looked like. Uh, but yes, I did have chief's garb head to toe. And if I needed a board that indicated, um, you know, who like you know, who I was or who I was looking for. And I will say this, like maybe it's just the the distance from those visits that has made them like a bit of a nostalgic experience for me. But I always remember like some of the players and like how they comported themselves and how I thought that might matter 
in the NFL. It wasn't right on all of them, but like I mentioned, Eric Berry was, I, I always thought he was like borderline presidential. And I mean that in a very positive way with the way that he carried himself, showed up in a suit, like that, you know, like looked like he was ready to go for a, you know, a, a fortune 500 interview as opposed to a football visit and treated every person, even a slappy like me as a, as a, you know, somebody who had thought, you know, somebody who was important. Um, and there were, you know, Russell Okung, who just recently retired, has had an incredible post-career transition. Like, I remember thinking to myself, he's a damn good football player, but, like, this guy's got a whole lot more to offer than just football. Like, I wonder what, what it will be like for him beyond the field because he was one of the smartest guys I'd ever spent time with. And uh, I thought those were cool. Like, those guys, in most instances, thought nothing of me being around them for 24 hours. And 24 hours is far from enough to figure out uh, everything you need to know about an athlete. But uh, if you are a believer in first impressions at all, and I do think there's some serious value in them, those visits were like actually pretty formidable experiences, in my opinion. Last show for a question. Does everybody get in the front seat of the car or did some guys get in the back Most seat? Most of them got in the back seat. And some of them, like when they got, and this is their prerogative, it's not like they owed me anything, but there were some guys that got in the back seat, headphones on, see you at the hotel. And, and you know, like, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that they can't play football at an extremely high level. Um, but, you know, it was always kind of like, you know, we're not going that far. I'm not, you know, it's not like a two-hour drive where you've got time to take a nap. You know, if you want to make small talk for 15 minutes, that would be fun. But, you know, I'm sure there are, uh, hopefully there are some young scouts out there that are listening to this episode that can relate to this exact dynamic. Because every team is different, though, in the way in which they have these players uh, traveling. Like some teams, no matter what caliber of the player, limo, picking them up at the airport, somebody, you know, a car service unaffiliated with the team and their other teams. And at the time when I was in Kansas City, we were one of them where it was a guy in the scouting staff driving a Suburban was bringing these players to and from uh, the various stops on the tour for the 24 or so hours that they were in town. On the flip side, I was at the Final Four in Minneapolis in 2019, and uh, we see Josh Passner across the street (laughs) Then we see an Uber slowly roll up to pick up Josh Pastner, and we think nothing of it. Then Josh Pastner, he gets into the front seat of an Uber, which is some of the most questionable behavior I've ever witnessed. Now, Hmm. I really like Josh Pastner because he's very uh, nice to Coach Bennett when the the Who's get him by 18 most times (laughs) out. But that's uh, that's perhaps um, the Eric Berry corollary is how we'll there refer we go. to it. Yeah. There we now go. On. Love it. Hey, Nick Nick Sirianni, did he always have the goods? So you know, it's so funny because I don't want to come across as thinking that like I had it all figured out. But I remember so Nick Sirianni and I. It's actually really cool. I I, I feel I'm so happy to see these guys succeed. But the uh, first like young hires. Uh, meaning like first football job in the NFL in my, I'll call it class. Um, I get to Kansas city and Nick Sirianni had just been hired as the offensive quality control coach. Um, Brian Poles had just been hired as a scouting assistant, the same job that I got. He's now the bears GM. Mike Borgonzi had also just been hired as a scouting assistant. He's now a chiefs, the chiefs assistant GM and, you know, when, they, when you see those like lists of future GMs in the NFL, he's always on it. Um, there were others that were also hired, not 
like within a few other months, uh, Brant Tillis, who's now oversees the Chiefs cap job, is interviewed for uh, for GM jobs uh, as well. Ryan, not like all these guys that you know are all part of the same class that are doing huge things. Um, but what I remember most about Nick um, was that football coaching is a completely unrelenting position. Uh, the hours are truly brutal and i'm not trying to uh, mitigate the work that other people do in different fields but it's one of the most brutal life setups that you could have just from a pure hour standpoint i always say that you know half the teams in the nfl work 100 plus hours each week to lose right i mean like if you're you know a wide receivers coach on the packers and you grind hundred hours and you lose by 25 on sat on Sunday against the Vikings. Like you could have also not showed up to work and also lost by 25. Right. Um, but Nick was being grinded to the bone. Um, and when you're the offensive quality control coach, in a lot of ways, you are an extension of the offensive coordinator. You're kind of like an appendage for the offensive coordinator. My first year in Kansas city, we had Chan Gailey on staff, the longtime NFL coach, head coach, coordinator, and he was retained by Todd Haley, who was hired as the head coach. And then so basically for the first like six, seven months that Nick was there, he was Chan's right hand man. And then Chan was uh, relieved of his duties. I can't remember. It was like August 15th. It was like the middle of training camp, which never wow. happens. Right. I mean, uh, that that happens extremely infrequently in the NFL. So all of a sudden he becomes Todd Haley, who took over as the offensive coordinator his right-hand man. And, you know, the, he, the head coach has a lot more to do besides just coordinate one side of the ball. Following year, we hire Charlie Weiss. He becomes his right-hand man. And I get it. Like, you know, being a right-hand man is, is a pretty typical job description for somebody. But every head coach, is, every coordinator is such a different way of, like, going about their business. You know, Charlie Weiss was, like, everybody on the staff meets at, like, 5 a.m. Monday through Friday and he was a morning guy. And it was like, we start this day exactly at this time. And Nick, like you're playing by like a different, it's like it's speaking a different language with each coordinator. And I just remember Nick had like this, it was almost like freakish to me ability to just power through and like seem to be enjoying it. And um, had a relatability to the players that you could see. Um, and I think probably some of that stemmed from the fact that like he was a sick football player himself like he played at Mount Union one of the best D3 programs probably the best D3 program in the country was like a legitimately awesome receiver for them so I think they had like a little bit of a swagger for him uh that I think was like made him more relatable to the players now am I going to sit here and tell you that like anybody can tell you with absolute certainty that a 24 whatever he was 25 year old quality control coach is destined to become a head coach in the NFL that within two years was coaching in the Super Bowl I'm not that smart but I remember thinking to myself like this guy has a lot of like the extremely special traits uh, that are required to be a great coach, and I can't wait to follow his journey. And um, it's been so awesome to see him continue to rise through the ranks, like really organically. And I know I'm going to sound like I'm being just a trumpet for Nick and saying this, but like there were times where I was almost annoyed by how little Nick was willing to toot his own horn over the past ten or twelve years. I kept telling him, I'm like, man, you, you, you have to understand this. Like, I'm not saying that coaches that get jobs uh, are only hired because, you know, they, they sort of advocate for themselves. But 
we're not dumb. Like you and I both see it as football observers. Like there are coaches who let the world know through the media just how good they are, right? And um, I felt like Nick uh, took the opposite path and he got rewarded because he eventually got that head coaching job. And um, I remember being so protective uh, when he first got that job in Philly uh, and you're going to have every head coaching hire is going to have the, the, you know, the, the people that are in favor and the detractors. I remember just being so like way too emotionally invested in what people were saying about the hire and just saying like, let this guy coach a game before you actually uh, cast judgment on him. And here we are two years later. And I'm like, well, that was wasted energy because like his Q score is off the charts, right? Like he's an absolute, I mean, everybody loves him in Philly right now. And uh, the team looks primed to be awesome for a long time. Consistent grinder sounds like a common denominator with with some of these guys. Um, and, that, and I know that sounds. I, I don't mean to uh, to be to, to cut you off there, but just I will say, like people are like, okay, great, like work hard and you've got it. I hear you. Like that that's a thing that is um, that is, is is pertinent and relevant in a lot of industries. But like football is an easy path to walk away from because when you're in that first day, like. I made $22,000 my first year out of college, which, you know, I didn't have a lot of stuff. I didn't have kids. I didn't have, you know, some hefty mortgage or anything. Right. But it's like, trust me, if, if someone offered me 80 K to go work in finance, like a four time raise would be pretty enticing. Even if it was an entirely different path than I wanted to be on the hours sucked. Like I missed, uh, and we'll talk about my, sounds like we'll talk about my next steps after that. But like, you just miss a lot of stuff at that early age. It's easy to walk away. Like you can go coach high school and make more money than being an entry-level head coach, sorry, an entry-level coach in the NFL or an entry-level scout in the NFL. So that, that dedication and determination, like it paid off in a major way. And it's easy to say like, I've got the goods, but the attrition rate is extremely high amongst young coaches in the NFL. But the gear, the team issued gear. I've still got stuff. I've got a closet I mean, right here that I think has, might be, oh, I have that downstairs, but I've got a, uh, like some, some, old school Chiefs gear that will one day be on eBay for a lot of money. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're checking in at uh 174, it'll probably be on eBay <laughs> sooner rather point. than, than later. None of that stuff can be worn. Uh, how much do we owe to Mike Reese for opening a door in, in the media? Best. I'm glad you asked that. What a pure human Mike Reese is. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people often like some of what, uh, goes into success in the world of sports media is just good luck and good fortune. And uh, Mike Reese was my good fortune. I often say, you know, I did the very typical when I decided that I wanted to leave football, I did not know what I wanted to do next. And I'm not being insincere in saying that. I thought that um, I would be closer to home, which is from, I'm from Massachusetts, as we mentioned earlier. And um, truthfully, like the weight of, I remember like, my five-year high school reunion came and went, and I was like, I was like one of two guys in my entire class that didn't show up. And that, and then, first wedding came up. Couldn't make it to a wedding for a friend because it was in football season. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, all my, a lot of my buddies are in one of the major cities: Boston, New York, DC. They're meeting up for every, you know, every month or every couple months, and to the point that it's like, yeah, we can just take you off the group thread so that we don't give you, you know, we don't make you feel left out here. Oh. And it started. Sounds yeah. like a dream. <laughs> yeah, the, the group type. And now, oh my God, yeah, now it would be. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, like, you know, it, it felt like uh, some some big life moments were kind of passing me by. Um, but I did the typical send your resume to a million different places. 
And uh, like, I don't keep a, uh, I'm pretty good about organizing the, uh, the Gmail. I never will be caught with like, you know, 8,000 unread emails. Um, but there are some that stay in there forever. And the response back that I got from Mike Reese was one that will never go away because for some reason, uh, after I wanted to follow you in your footsteps and get a, a real estate license, it, I decided to go back into the world of football somehow. And, um, Mike Reese, I started a blog. This is very 2012 of me. It was on Tumblr frequently, a little bit of tweeting here and there as well, some Facebook links. I think I might have had some LinkedIn action as well. And um, Mike Reese was one of very, very few people to even acknowledge my email. And his response was so sincere and genuine. And he was the one that followed up with me after that initial correspondence, I assumed when he said, hey, uh, he reached uh, he reached back out to me initially in the middle of the football season. He covers the Patriots for those unacquainted. Um, and he said, hey, I'll, I'll, let, let's talk again during the offseason once the dust settles. Patriots ended up going to the Super Bowl. So it was a long season. And I sort of figured maybe we get a month out, maybe more, and I'll reach back out to him. <clears throat> I feel like three days after the football season was over, Mike sent me an email to check in on me and it was my, you know, sort of metaphorical lifeline. And, um, we talk, if not every day, probably five times a week, uh, probably on the phone at least once or twice a week. And it's often about football. Um, but what's been really rewarding is that over the past couple of years, it's been about fatherhood. And uh, I don't mean to sound like a sap, but, uh, you know, you and I joked over text, we could probably do the entire show today just on being a dad. And uh, I'm not sure too many people have influenced me as a dad in quite the way that Mike Reese has. And now, some years later, you have essentially every job at ESPN, at least NFL-related. What's the most difficult of all these gigs? We see you on TV most days. Okay, two-parter. What's the most difficult job? Tell us about your day-to-day, yeah. for instance. Um. All right, so today we're t- we're doing this Thursday, July thirteenth. So we had a so right now I am filling in for Laura Rutledge as the host of NFL Live because she is on maternity leave. Uh, her son and uh, my daughter. We have already uh, Laura and her husband Josh are very good friends of uh, my wife and I. So we spent a lot of time with them with uh, our older daughters, and uh, we can't wait to spend a bunch of time with them with our younger children too, more so than we have already. Um, <clears throat> but uh, she's on maternity leave. I think until closer to the football season. So I'm pulling in for our NFL live, but today we also were taping a show that'll air, I believe Sunday, July 23rd. It's a uh, Madden's Madden ratings special show. And so we had uh, three different player interviews, one former two current player interviews. And um, as is often the case with podcast guests, you, you're very much bending to their schedule, right? So today I left the house, got a fresh cut of the lawn before I left. So that was very important. Had to get the lawn cut. Uh, this time of the year, let it grow a little good. bit longer than normal. You know, things dry out quickly, but had to get a good fresh lawn cut this morning. That's my therapy for 30 minutes. Um, get to the office. Ooh, uh, some lawn. Uh, you know, it's just got a couple of weird corners that you got to you kind of go around a okay. few times. I can do it efficiently in like 15 or 18 minutes, but I take my time on a couple of those. Uh, get to the office. We had a we so we did an interview with Chad Ochocinco Johnson, did an interview with Josh Allen, interview with Sauce Gardner. Uh, each of those di- different windows, uh, and then we also taped the show 
Uh, taping a show, a TV show, always takes longer than the allotted time of the show when it airs live. So a one-hour show, for some reason, takes an hour and a half every time. Uh, and then once we wrapped up with that, turn right back to NFL Live mode. Uh, so that prep is kind of all morning, a little bit less so this time of the year because there's so little news. But, uh, you know, we kind of get, get the show rundown in there. We have a couple of production meetings. Uh, including one with the analysts on the show that day. And then we hit the air uh, at 4 p.m. for 4 to 5. So in the office until 5. And then I live about 20 minutes from uh, ESPN studio. And so here we are talking shop. Um, but, yeah, I would say the hardest part of the job, um, <clears throat> I'd say for me, um, I think that there's a lot of benefit to wearing several different hats. And I take a lot of pride in um having different responsibilities. Uh, there are times though, that sometimes I wonder, am I like, are, are there, are there times where certain hats that I wear, I'm not pulling my weight enough, right? Am I, if I'm, if I'm hosting NFL live, am I, um, does that mean that I need to be more intentional with my fantasy football prep is the football season's coming around the corner or in the middle of fantasy football season, am I not mindful enough of the upcoming NFL draft? I've, I uh, had the great pleasure of working with Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and love Todd. Um, I know he'll land on his feet soon uh, on the first draft podcast, but that's a, that's a 365 day a year job for them, that draft stuff. So it's always like, am I, am I giving enough to everything? Because I do feel like every sector probably deserves my full attention and um does it come at a cost? Is the draft coverage or the fantasy coverage not as good if you're too focused in on something else that you're doing? Well, and then you have somebody ask you to do a podcast for 30 minutes, and now here we are at minute 45. I would do this. And no, hey, I will do this until you had, the, you had to make the decision 64 east or west. Like, I know that this is more of an effort for you than me, so I'll be here until – I don't know. Is there does, – does like a – does this – does this uh, Riverside have uh, like a programming limit? Like, are we only afforded a certain number of minutes? So I'll keep going. Six hours, six hours, six hours. Yeah. All right. So well, we get, yeah. we'll be here until midnight. Yeah. A little after. Yeah. We'll be fine. Um, do you ever find it challenging, I guess, especially in the fantasy realm, to repackage, recycle content, or is it? the exact opposite today we're mock drafting running backs tomorrow we're mock drafting running backs you may not have thought of yeah. thursday um, will be receivers <laughs> i'd say the uh the trickiest part of fantasy football to me is that um we joke about there's a lot of podcasts in general there are a lot of fantasy football podcasts and a lot of fantasy football websites a lot of people that use twitter exclusively for fantasy football content um, while once the season begins, things move and get shuffled around going into the season, there are a lot of things that basically any reasonable fantasy analyst agrees on, right? Like there's not too many lists where someone's top five quarterback rankings include like, yeah, I've got Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins, Bryce Young, and somebody else as the top five fantasy quarterbacks or two other guys. Most people are in some order attached to the names like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson as an example. So I think what's tricky is that it's not that 
my takes that I might have on my show are decidedly different every single segment of every single show than the takes that you or anybody else with a fantasy football opinion has. It's You're that, just more handsome. <laughs> oh, gosh. Make me blush. I just that you hope that you can deliver it more in a more entertaining fashion, right? A, a, a fashion that I think um, people gravitate back towards. And I think, you know, as I think about um, where this industry is going, I don't want to sound like, you know, too philosophical right now, but I think something that you guys, and I'm not blowing smoke and saying this, but something that you guys have achieved to an extremely high level is that obviously there are things that the sports calendar naturally dictates we discuss. We're in the slow period right now. Like, if you guys woke up tomorrow and you decided you wanted to do a two-hour episode on, like, the process of, um, you know, renovating a bathroom in your home, you'd probably find a way to make it interesting. It's not interesting, but you guys would find a way, right? Like, you're relatable. I just want to hear about – I want to hear your, your, your thoughts about sports, but, like, I'm just as compelled by making the dad or, you know, hey, your, your, your real estate endeavors or – your thoughts on, um, you know, teachers with pockets as opposed to teachers without pockets, right? Like anything mm -hmm. that's to me, that is part of the uh, secret sauce of even fantasy football coverage is I hope that when people listen to our show, it's you want good, solid fantasy football advice, but you want to feel like for an hour or however long the episode is that you know, you're kind of it's like a suspension of reality for a little bit where you get to get your mind off of stuff and you get to hear things that you either agree or disagree upon. And if we deviate off of Justin Jefferson is awesome to uh, a five-minute discussion on whether when the plane lands, it's appropriate to stand up or if you should just wait until your aisle is actually deplaning, that you're not going to say, shut the hell up and get back to Justin Jefferson. But instead, you're going to say, dude, I totally agree. Like, it is so annoying when everybody stands up the second the plane lands, and then we all stand there for 12 minutes and don't move an inch. So I kind of feel like that's um, like as much as uh, every podcast kind of has a hook tied to the topic, I think it's the people that make the podcast. I really have started to feel like that more and more and more. And you're one of the best. You sincerely are. We'll get you out of here with uh, a little bit of fantasy content for the audience. Let's do it. Uh, you, you don't need to pull out any rankings. Just general ADP in your head. Are you higher or lower on these, we'll call it, Three names. I got okay. three great names for you. Alrighty. First one is Calvin Ridley. Uh, I am a little bit lower probably than where he'll end up being drafted. I'm not trying to uh, fence it here. I would just note that um, I'm always amazed when we go to the ADP data on ESPN. Um, big names get drafted way higher uh, than sort of fantasy nerds would draft them. Like Patrick Mahomes will always be like one of the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 highest drafted players, even though in every league that I play in, he'll last you know a little bit longer than that, right? I think Ridley will end up being drafted higher because it's kind of the shiny object syndrome. Um, very, I mean, love the player, love the story. I'm probably a little bit lower. And if I had to sort of like state the concern, it would be just that the Jaguars had like this perfectly balanced offense last year and everybody that was on that offense is back. So I don't know if Calvin Ridley like definitely is the number one wide receiver in Jacksonville this year. Christian Kirk could very easily be that and Calvin Ridley could very easily be the two or even like the two slash three because Zay Jones was really good as well last season. I have him like 
around wide receiver 28, I think, in my most recent rankings. Yeah, there's that in the gambling addiction. So you don't know if <laughs> he'll that's be a thing of the available best. all season. Yeah. Uh, tight end, New York Giants, Darren Waller. Is is he on the back end of things here, or is he still a stud? Uh, I think he is. Um, I think he is in a really sweet spot right now for where things go uh, this season. Because um, first of all, I don't want to sound like a, a therapist, but it's good when family business is good, right? It did not. Him and Josh McDaniels clearly didn't seem to see eye to eye, so it's good that he's in a place where. He feels valued and uh, feels uh, motivated. Um, he plays a position where we are desperate for uh, players. And he is, at least in my estimation, clearly the most talented Giants pass catcher. Um, so I think he's due for a season much more in line with where he was uh, prior to like the past season and a half. And at tight end, we are not just looking for volume, but like, just big playability and red zone aptitude really matter. Waller last year, even in the tiny sample size, second amongst all tight ends and yards per catch. Like he's, he's one of the freakiest athletes in all of sports. If he's healthy and it sounds like he is in a good space, he should have a really good season. Third and final name, Ramondre Stevenson. Are you higher or lower than average ADP? Right on the button. Yeah, I'm probably right on the okay. button here for Ramondre. And just feels like it'd be tough for Ramondre to really fail this season, absent health, which is a caveat for every player. But even if his receiving goes down, he actually was third amongst running backs and catches last year. Only Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler were behind him. But even if that number drops, which is reasonable to expect because the Patriots will have a more – more high-functioning offense this year and have a lot of pass catchers, even if not a star pass catcher yet. Um, that number could drop, but the rushing feels so stable because the backfield depth behind him is, um, you know, the, the NFL has shown us you can find running back kind of out of nowhere, but he is, it's still like a pretty small sample size of like football, of, of NFL evidence for like Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris behind him. So just feels like he's due for a very, very good role and, uh, he is super talented. Like take away just like the oppor- like just the number of opportunities. Like you watch him on a play by play basis, and I think the Patriots were one of the least watchable offenses that I can recall in a long time last year. But Ramondre Stevenson, when he had the ball, made it worth my time. Okay, last fantasy question: A guy who yeah. has never ended up on one of your squads, yeah. but your favorite guy who has never landed on one of your squads, mine. His okay. name's Amon Ross St. Brown. I can yeah. never get him. I love him, yeah. and he performs. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's also um, this is it's, it's so it's because I play in so many leagues, and it's, it's sort of I call it market research, right? You kind of have to. Um, I have had a lot of exposure to players, uh, but guys that I feel like I've been underexposed to um, in my most recent years. It's like you, you're you're invariably going to have the Cooper Cups and the Jeffersons and the you know whatever the the star running backs the Ecklers and the McCaffreys. Um, he, he's he's young; it's only his third year. But I haven't, and I know it's a small small run of this, but I haven't had the Justin Fields experience uh, yet, and I'm looking forward to that one just because uh, even if they run him a lot less this year, which with a much better group of pass catchers they probably will, 
Um, he's lightning in a bottle, man. And he is, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but, um, you know, one of the best athletes that we've ever seen at the quarterback position. And, uh, I think that sometimes when teams say they're going to run a quarterback a lot less, it sounds good in May and June, but when, you know, wins and losses are on the line, I think it feels a lot different. And, uh, we've seen this at a Buffalo in the past, Josh Allen's going to run the ball less, and then he runs the ball more. That could be the case with Justin Fields. Like it may not be quite as many carries, but he still could have, you know, 110 attempts next year, and it wouldn't surprise me a bit. Field, you're the man. I only got to half this stuff. Uh, Dang! So well, we we'll still have, have to, five more, half more hours. We uh, we're gonna have to have you back on, and and especially when the big guy gets back from Montana. Uh, yeah. I I ask this with respect as someone who has an unconventional name. Field Minister Yates, oh, yeah. were, were your parents filling out a Mad Lib <laughs> where they just needed oh. two nouns when you yeah. were born? Yeah. yeah, so minister is the easy part. It's my mother's maiden name. Um, That's what Macon is for me, Field. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that okay? I, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and then Field, my mom is, I think my mom uh, would admit that she was more influential in the decisions uh, for our, for the, uh, I'm one of three. Um, my sister is caddy, like a golf caddy. Um, my brother's Taylor, which I suppose is like a little unique, but it feels very, very mainstream compared to, to the rest of the other two. Uh, but my mom um, was adamant that she wanted to have very unique names. And uh, Field had been like a middle name before, and I think it had been a two-part name before, but she was adamant that she wanted uh, Field as a name at some point in her uh, in her however many children she had. And um, it's tied uh, quite nicely with, with the career that I have. Um, I'll admit though, and I don't know if you felt the same way, like growing up, like it was a little bit, I didn't have like, you know, super scarring experiences, but it was a little tough every once in a while when like, you know, kids poke fun at your name. And it's like, I, I had zero authority in the matter here. Recall that like my name was Field, not because I had any inclination to be that to have that as my name it was because i was assigned this um but uh i am very uh feel very fortunate now because uh, it is fun uh with what i do so field minister yates uh, if anybody sounds preppier let me know i'm giving you a run for your money uh, yeah we are making making bacon for the first uh, yeah 16 years of my life but it's okay it's worked <laughs> I out love it Totally. Field, thank you. Uh, keep showing up on our TVs every day. We'll keep I'll watching. I'll do my best. Thank you, man. That sounds good. Appreciate hey, it. an early congrats, by the way. I know that uh, I think having two kids is a lot. Having three kids, my friend, I know you guys will navigate it well, but uh, best of luck to you. That'll be a lot of fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete, like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, there's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out 
oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Wanna know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Okay, so uh, Coach Badke's here. Uh, he uh, Tell the people what you do for a living. Uh, I run a concession stand and coach Little League. Right, and he's yeah. also my, uh, my life coach. So we were looking at a little real estate the other day, if I can give the people a peek. I dabble in curtain. real estate as well. And uh, I was wearing an Apple Watch, which I was gifted by my parents for my 37th birthday and um you roasted me that's a roast i was self-conscious because i had been roasted earlier in the day you are self-conscious literally about the socks you're wearing though. that's true so, like i mean there's levels of this i walked into my office and and this gentleman who i guess is some sort of misogynist said oh you went with the girl one huh there's a 41 millimeter face and there's a 45 millimeter face I went with the 41 I have dainty I have smaller wrists okay and then it so it was a smaller watch it was the darker band it kind of looked like a Fitbit but then you told me what the fuck are we doing with the mic here guys I mean holy hell where does it need to be to it's got to get closer to Kevin's mouth okay all right nah, it's a tight chip we've rewired the whole thing this is good we're in good shape just you know? the joy you know just pure joy. I uh, they what, called me. They what am I five now? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> they called me. Did you see? They called me Mr. Miserable in the fantasy uh, football chat the other day. Rightfully so. I didn't and care for I, that don't one tell bit. me you didn't wear that with a like a badge of courage. I, like, I did like that. That was actually beautiful. I did like it. I told the people that the the entry fee goes up ten bucks for every thumbs up you make for every heart you like on a text. I get those. There are notifications that come to my telephone, even when they're muted. I have to clear those. Don't so a thumbs up and a heart, you want to find somebody. Think about what yeah. you just said. Yeah, they're called impressions. But think of, I mean, positive things, you want to find somebody There's for. a thumbs down. That's a fine. Exclamation We could point. talk about fines. Missing cutoff, guys. That's a fine. That's a fine. Not running things out. That's a fine. But what you pointed out, which might be the, the truest thing I heard all, the entire one day that I wore an Apple Watch, was that I wore it too high on my, on my arm. I don't even want to say wrist. Like, everybody's got a wrist bone, and you got a little nub right there, and I was above the nub. You had some Dusty Baker going, dude. You had, the, you had it up here, and it just it wasn't right. And I said, bring it down, and you blamed it on your wrist bone? Yeah, well, I didn't want to be, you want to make good contact, and I didn't want to be hovering above the wrist bone. And then maybe I have long hands or fingers. It just, it, the, the proportion of my arm is not That's right. That's called your dangly. Dangly? Dangly. You're dangly. Okay. All right. Cousin of gangly, maybe? No, dangly. Could be both. At any rate, I wanted the, <laughs> I wanted the accountability of the Apple Watch because, look. 
37 years old, don't bounce back like I used to, okay? The metabolism is gone. And with the children, I'm not at the gym. Even if it was just a hot boy walk at the gym, I was getting that hot boy walk in every day, and now I'm not. And um, so I figured this, this wearable tech I put on, it's going to make me accountable. You got to be standing. You got to be burning calories. You got to be walking around, what have you. But it looked so bad on my person that I have since returned it. Now, Apple, they make these freaking, uh, you know, things with these beautiful packages. You got you to gotta unwrap seven different things to get to the thing. I was worried taking it back to Best Buy. By the way, Best Buy, you want, you want things not taken back as much? Have some things out for people to sample and try. I couldn't put on the freaking bigger Apple Watch because they didn't have anything out there. At any rate, I put it back. I put it back nicely, too. Okay. I unpaired it with my phone. Maybe they still have my data, whatever. You know, a little more data out there. Not the worst thing in the world. It happens. They took it back. So, um, okay. Uh, oh, here's another thing. You said my parents shouldn't be getting me gifts because I'm almost 40 years old. They it, love it, getting me gifts. I, I think the key word or key part of this is gifts. Oh, yeah. It, it, like, no, they brought in bags of wrapped up presents. I me. haven't got <laughs> gifts from a family member in, I think, since I've been seven. Honestly, allowing gifts, me, allowing maybe. me, my allowing them to give me gifts is, is a gift from me to them. Understand what I'm saying? Isn't like, it supposed to stop once you have kids? Once you have kids, the, gift, the gifts go to the children they give gifts to the kids too but i'm also still a kid oh you're, well, you're not you're one of their children you're That's, not a kid there's a difference you're True. done dude True. i mean i think it happens for certain parents at certain times like hey we're done with you here's a here's an eddie bauer sweater mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and move on which i've gotten 215 from my mom <laughs> from but you know and different parents at different times i think decide that you're just the lucky one that has continued getting gifts yeah it, we're at thanksgiving it's hey makes can you start to put together your christmas list <laughs> because we don't have a lot of time left you here. are in the 0.001 percent of that you, you put together a list i put together the list but it's painful like it's painful to make a list of gifts yeah, for yourself. I don't want more stuff. Do you take things out of the Amazon cart to put them in the wish list and then do not buy them for I don't yourself? do. I don't buy anything for myself. That's why all my pants have holes in them and stuff. So it, it turns into, yeah, can I get a pant? Can I get a gift certificate for a pant? Which, by the way, I don't know where to get a pant. I wear a chino every day. People are saying Banana Republic. The Bonobos, they have that silly liner in them now and a weird zipper. The Bonobos are Let's out. Let's keep it simple. Kiss. Yeah. Keep uh, it simple. But stupid. where? But where? I still need to wear. I don't have a wear. It's a Charlottesville's tough with, yeah. with shopping. I have to go to short the, pump. You can't go to the mall anymore. The, ri the, 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 the wristwatch is gone. I'm not saying it's gone forever. It's Can gone we get for back now. to it? Yeah. The, what was your objective with the Apple Watch? Like at the end of the day, if I haven't burned enough calories, now maybe I'm the psycho who's walking up and down the block trying to, trying to get the steps in, but I just wanted to say, hey, you know, 100 push-ups will probably get you there. Get down, give me 100. Because now it's, you know, eh, tomorrow. I got kids tomorrow. I got, to eat, I got the chocolate cake to I, eat. I mean, I'm convinced the thing doesn't work. I don't think Apple. I think it's such a, um, there, there's no way a thing on your, can, can 
say how long you go and how long you you don't believe the no, technology absolutely not i think it is such a farce and and is not even close to accurate is this like how you think every single number one overall pick is not going to pan out do they sometimes on occasion they do i know you're a big bryce young guy Sorry. Oh, hey. I, hey, I want him to work out. It's just not going to. You've been in my life for, I don't know, a decade. This is Bad Back Back Heath, by the way, for, uh, for the folks Great who are wondering. Great to be here. Great yeah, to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. Good. Um, I, I guess the big guy's got to get out of here for me to get, get in the chair again. No, nah, you're going to be in the rotation. Unbelievable. You're, you're going to be in the rotation as a life coach. You're, you're, you're life coach, okay? Okay. In part because you're, you know, I don't mean to gash you up, a bit of a diesel, you know? You're always Appreciate in the gym. That. You know, we're shaping my life right now. Really? But guess what? Uh, it's going to change. Yeah? Yeah. I got Why? a whole plan. Apple Watch? That's what we need to talk about. Plan. No, because that is not accurate. When you left me the other day, you like slapped both of your bare wrists and you're like heading to the gym without the Apple Watch. Correct. And meanwhile, the, the day I returned the Apple Watch, the day following, that's the first time I've had a good sweat in, I don't know, two years. That's exactly my point. What we're talking about here, right? The analytics, the technology, that's all great, okay? But at the end of the day, it's how you feel. Yeah. Right here. Terrible. Feel really bad. It's kind of like managing baseball. Let's get a little personal feel here. I've put together a little spreadsheet for the second half of the uh, year. And so I put a check mark. Second half of what year? Uh, 2023. For like your personal? Yeah, personal. Okay. C. Long just texted me. God, I hope he's not listening to this via some sort of uh, Riverside feed at the moment. He's so it's it's no bread. If I if I we, do no bread, <laughs> if I do no bread, I get a check mark. If Zoe gets her walk after dinner, I get a check mark. A uh, hundred ounces of water. That's easy. Uh, how many push-ups? I did twenty-six push-ups last week. All right. Oh, hold on. And uh, the no, whole week. Whole week. And then no dessert. Coach, I haven't we, gotten that yet. We gotta talk. And then workout. I hit one workout. That was the that was the tennis playing. So that's my so I'm at least I'm tracking things now. Well, I, I, I that that's great. And I wish I could do that, but that's on a spreadsheet mm -hmm. for Excel. Mm hmm Don't do Excel, coach. My problem with your program is I don't like putting things in my body that make me pee brown or dark green. <laughs> And then it was more of a neon color, wasn't it? And then you're like, hey, you know, that means it's working. Seven reps, eight times or whatever of a of a of a Roman deadlift, whatever the hell that is. And I got to go to Google to watch a to watch a YouTube video of somebody deadlifting. I don't know how to do it. So I mean, just, do you want to make gains or not? And you want to put yeah. a little bulk on? Here's the thing: the, everyone needs to be on board here for this. Okay. I'm, yeah. So not only do I need to talk with you. Yeah. and get you on board we got to talk to kate yeah and we got to make sure that hey there needs to be time for makes to bulk up well maybe the onus is upon me to carve out a little in the middle of the day you know uh, interest rates are high uh, we know uh, coach <laughs> coach might be a little we less know. real estate being sold the next uh six to 18 months oh so maybe we i'm gonna help you out maybe we take an hour hey um Kate said something really nice the other day when I was complaining about what a fat fuck I am. And uh, she said, you know, it's just a phase <laughs> of our... If you're a fat fuck, I got issues, coach. Well, it really is the skinny fat thing and the dad bod thing that's not good. Kay. But she said it's, it's just a phase of our lives where number one priority is our kids. That's called a motor, coach. That's well, not an anchor. Well, hold on. Hold on. 
I let, can we circle back to that? Please. What I said to her was, uh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That's nice. And I said, you know, for me, actually, the kids will be my top priority for the rest of my life. And then the, com- the conversation sort of ended. She didn't really appreciate that as much. Okay. You know, let's remember you guys were similar mindset, you know, correct for her motor anchor. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, she, she, she either, you're either a motor or you're an anchor. You got to pick one, you know, and you want your significant other to be a motor, not yeah. an anchor. Yeah. You know, this isn't, you want your life coach. I'm, I'm a motor. Yeah. I'm not putting any of this on Kate. No, it's all you, but it helps when you get a nice little pump me up right there. Well, your official life coach of the green light pod from here on out. See <laughs> long as greenlit this. I mean, see long. Hey, he doesn't have it all figured out. Sometimes, sometimes he says, Hey, I need to tune up with X, Y, or Z. It's t- typically not fitness. No, right? but, but you're going to be, you're going to be the one, one person removed. That's going to say, Hey guys here, you know, you see things clearly. You got a lot of wisdom. I appreciate that. Never thought of myself as wise. You said you were old. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So just because I'm older than you guys. <laughs> yeah, you are an older cat, but you got the you got the shoot you got the rocking bot of a 22 year old, and you got the um, the the youthful exuberance of a. What are you doing after this? 33 year old. Hey, guys, gassing up guys. You know. <laughs> But point being, the, the plan we've been on thus far, which is like, hey, here's a workout, or hey, here's some pills, which you know have no label on them, hasn't worked. Okay. That, yes, and, and part of this process is that, to know what you want to do, what we want to do together, and you got to be on board. I mean, you, gotta, you, you have to show the initiative. Okay. All right. And getting an Apple Watch isn't that. Okay. Yeah, I thought it'd be a cure-all. Maybe we need to listen to what Field Yates just said about the Nick Sirianni's of the world. You know, they get into the building early. They don't ask any questions. They just grind it out, you know. Was that a shot, the early thing? Oh, yeah, you were nine minutes late. That's true. Hey. I was was doing real estate stuff. Nobody, without me? Uh, just clean up stuff. You want to clean up and okay. get new tenants in? No, okay. I don't. Let me know when we're buying a property. <laughs> All right. Get the closer over here. <laughs> so, Coach, you good? I'm I great. mean, this is just a little teaser for what for what's going to be. I, I'm great. I'm great. It's good to know what I'm walking into a little bit, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Happy to be. You know, I want to. Um, just want to help. Yeah. Any thoughts on Ricky Henderson? Greatest player ever to play the game of baseball. <laughs> Holy smokes! Ever. Okay. Without a doubt, five tool, played for thirty-two years, barely got hurt. Stud. When I teach, when I want to teach kids how to steal a base, you go to the Ricky Henderson film. Correct. He's, he's more skiing than he is running with mm. this with the side-to-side power motions. It's beautiful. <laughs> there is a chin-to-hip thing going that is just it, it, top-notch. He is one of the ultimate motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the most sincere, endearing way I can. He doesn't care. He just wants to win ball games, and he wants to do well. And um, nobody's going to get in his way to do that. And I just, you don't see that a lot anymore. And um, I got to say, the last guy that I think reminded me a little bit of him was Jose Reyes with the Mets. He had a little bit of a motherfucker in him. A lot of it. 
and he would bite your face off to get an extra base. And I really, really appreciate that. And I don't think you see that as often. And I think a lot of that has gone away because small ball isn't even around anymore, which is so disheartening. I, 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 I grew up, I'm a Sox fan. I live by Wrigley Field, worked for Budweiser forever. So I used to go to a lot of games and I go to a lot of Cubs games because I live right there. I was a nine iron from Wrigley Field, right? I would stand up when a Cubs player bunted the ball over and got a runner over. I'd stand up and clap because I clap for good baseball. You just don't see a lot of good baseball anymore. For me, you don't see any baseball. Uh, shout out to the That's also a National League. Yeah. And I'll take home the... Uh, for the first time in a long yeah. time. I think like 12 years. Any stakes to that? Or did we do away with home field? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, actually, I'm Is not it sure. Home field? I don't remember. They've made so many damn changes in baseball that I can't I remember. thought that was great because it meant something. I mean, I think the problem with All-Star Games was they didn't mean anything. And yeah. with that, and I get that it's a lot of, you know, hoopla and all that, but and it's a show, but to have it mean something, I think, was very significant for the sport. I thought, Seattle did, I thought Seattle did. I thought Seattle's getting rave reviews for what, yeah. I mean, the stadium looked awesome. They did a great job. Well, in, in that game, we need to have the home team wearing home jerseys, all the white jerseys, away team wearing all the gray jerseys. Wear your actual jersey. Don't wear these silly duds that they that, that 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 they print up just to make a buck. I guess that's our answer, though. Though that's the answer. It's the alt jersey. Make a buck. It's a dollar. Okay. Real quick on Ray is one thing. He did sit out a game to win the batting title. So demotions on that. Big demotions on that. I uh, uh, agreed, and that was later on. That I was think later on. That was later on in the career, but I did like the way he played the game. Yeah. But that is not okay. That is not okay. No. That is a, a fine. That is a fine. That, that's a fine. Coach Backy, thank you. Thanks for having me. Any action items here? I'm trying to be a big, beefy boy, all right? You're action a life items? coach. No, we got to sit down and talk, and, and you got to stick with the program. What are we doing here? What is I know, this? We're but we got to stick with the program. I mean, I gave you the one program. You say you don't want to do seven reps. Well, how do you want to? I, I, mean, I don't just like I need I, deadlift. Don't know how to do a deadlift. Okay. Like I went in there one day, like my back was all curved. I couldn't stand up. For that was bad. Yo, not good. That was yeah. Got my phone in my hand, looking at how you, to do you, one. You were like, you went from thirty-two to like eighty quick. Not good. It was not good. I think you can get up to five push-ups a day, though. Oh, dog! I was doing a hundred a day for a long time. Felt great. You yeah, just told us you did twenty-six in Last a week. week. Yeah. Let me pull that. Not up. a day. A week. I did 13 one day, 13 the next day, and then no others for the rest of the week. Becky, so. have you seen one of these push-ups? Oh, no. the no. Now, the form is right. Are we sure? Yes. So are okay. you saying that your push-up is maybe worth a push-up and a half? I'm saying, I'm saying the form cannot be improved on my push-up. That's what I'm saying. Because that's a big deal. There's a lot of people that think they're doing push-ups when they're not remotely close to being couldn't agree more yeah. couldn't agree more it's about form and that's what we're going to talk about when we're doing deadlifts we we need to spend time together in the gym that's right that's, that's what right. we need to do yeah i think that is i think that is an answer okay we can we can work on that thank you to field yates for being on this program we've got uh we've got a tin cup oh should i have said that we've got the best golf movie of all time movie review no, coming let out. Let know it's Tin Cup. Y'all, if you haven't seen Tin Cup, watch it. Watch Tin Cup. We review it on Friday's show. Is that being released Friday? Thursday. Thursday. Nailing this. Nailing this promo. Uh, that was a delight. It was Chris, Kyle, me, 
we had a lot of fun. Renee Russo, she's a gem. And uh, you got a birthday shout out you want to make? And I have a birthday shout out I want to make. I want to silence this uh, spam telephone call and I want to pull up a message. I got one announcement while you're doing that. So we have a contest on Greenlight this week. Check out our social media. You can guess who picked which song for their 10 favorite and you can win money and there will be reveals throughout the week. So check it out. Special shout out, okay? Big Greenlight fan, Big Eagles fan, Trey S. We're not revealing his full identity. Okay. Because when you're a Birds fan, you know, that can be embarrassing. When you're a Greenlight fan, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Trey S. Happy birthday. Bet he birthday. wears a jersey. His, uh, his birthday is on the 20th. Happy early birthday, Trey. Parker and Paige love you very much. Go Birds, they say. Trey, big ups, buddy. Have a great birthday. Happy hey, birthday. Trey Sermon. Happy birthday. It could be Trey Sermon. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. clear. I don't think he's 20, though. <laughs> Kingston, thank you. Nolan, thank you. Corporate Scott, thank you. Cowboy Reed, is he among the living? Have we heard from Cowboy Reed? He's helping facilitate this whole process for, remotely. Remotely. Either way, thanks to Cowboy Reed. All righty. Y'all take care of yourselves. Thanks to Kevin. Kevin Backey. Thanks to Coach Backey. We're on it. <laughs> great to be here. Bye-bye. <laughs>